Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Before we get in the word today, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and you are so worthy to be praised, Lord God, and we just worship your most magnificent name. Lord God, I want to thank you for allowing us to be able to get together virtually here to be able to hear your words. I ask, Lord, that these words that come forth would be your words, Lord God, and that they would be a blessing to all those that would come to hear them, Lord God. And I ask that you would prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to be able to receive your words today and let them get sunken deep within our within our spirit so that when the enemy rears his ugly head, Lord God, that the words would just come bubbling up from our spirits so that we can defeat him, Lord God. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you, Lord God. Take this message where you will for your glory and your honor and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministry. So glad to have you all uh, here today to be able to hear God's word. And I hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. And, you know, don't let Thanksgiving be the only time of the year that you give God thanks. We have a lot to be thankful for. You know, just being able to wake up this morning uh, is something to be to, to be thankful for. Um, having a roof over our head, clothes on our backs, all sorts of things to be thankful for. So use, use every day as, as a blessing and, and use every day to, to thank God, uh, for all that he's, all that he's done for you. Uh, before we get into the word today, um, if you don't have your Bibles with you, go ahead and pause this message and grab your Bibles and come on back and, you know, grab a pen or a paper so you can take some notes, highlighter so you can highlight some things in your, in, in your Bible there so that you can see today the things that we're going to talk about and see where it is for yourself uh, in scripture. Amen. Who are you? you know, who are you? You know, that's a question a lot of times we don't ask ourselves is, you know, who am I? If you've ever been in a place where, you know, there was uh, a lot of people around and maybe there was a little meet and greet that took place. Oftentimes it happens, you know, well, when we were, you know, all work working in the office uh, before COVID hit and many are still working remotely. Uh, but there was a time maybe that, you know, you got together with with people that you didn't know. And somebody may come up and just say, hey, who are you? You know, I never met you before. And what do we usually say? We usually end up giving them our name, right? We say, oh, my name is so-and-so. And that name, you know, our name, that doesn't necessarily describe who we are. That's just uh, an identifying factor that, that separates us from, from somebody else. But we need to really think about who we actually are. And when you think about who we are as it relates to God, and what does it mean to be a child of God? In God's eyes, there's only two types of people in this world. Regardless of what everyone will tell you about race and creed and color and ethnicity, in God's mind, there's only two types of people in the world, believers and unbelievers. Unbelievers are the ones that haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So they don't have the relationship with God that he wants us to, that he wants us as, as human beings to have with him. And the other side of that is, is as um, opposite of unbeliever is the believer, right? And that's us as children of God. This means that we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and saviors. And as believers, we're supposed to be setting ourselves apart from everyone else. Okay? After all, Jesus said that while we are in this world, we are not of this world. 
So as children of God, we need to think about what does that really mean to be a child of God? And who, who am I actually when I say that I am a child of God? Well, the first thing, like I said, is that as believers, we're supposed to set ourselves apart from the unbeliever. So let's take a look at what the word of God says and turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse number 14. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, I will be their God and they shall be and they shall be my people. So oftentimes when we see the scripture for anyone out there that's a, that, that's married or, or, you know, anyone that that is is praying about, you know, um, uh, marriage and everything like that. Oftentimes this scripture is, is used to talk about making sure that when we marry another person that we're, we're marrying someone that is also a child of God. All right. And, and you may know someone that, that that's a child of God and, and, and is a, a practicing living Christian, not a Christian in name only, but an actual uh, somebody that's trying to live their life as close as possible to Christ. And they might be married to someone that that isn't living their life as, as close to Christ. And they're in the world, if, if, if you will. And if you know those people, you've probably seen how they, they are, are um, sometimes at each other's throats over the littlest things. Or you can see that there's definitely a split in terms of uh, of how they're living their lives and, and and how happy they actually are. Oftentimes, what I've seen is the the person that's a child of God. You know, they 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 are a little bit more upbeat and joyous than the other individual. But there's definitely some struggles and challenges there. And 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 God doesn't want us to be uh, marrying into those type of situations because we 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 can't allow ourselves as as believers to be influenced by the unbeliever that can potentially then pull us away from following God and knowing and and knowing the things that God says are truth in His Word and and believing that, that they could potentially pull us away from that. So we have to be careful on that front. But if we're not married, what this also means is that we have to be very very careful of the company that we keep. We need to make sure that the people that we're surrounding ourselves are not influencing us to the point where the things that we know are true in God, that we start to un we, we start to, to not believe those things and we start to do all sorts of things that would be displeasing to God. That's part of being unequally yoked. We have to make sure that we're not entering into partnerships, if you will, or agreements, if you will, with those that are unbelievers so that we're not being influenced by, by, by their behavior. All right. Verse 16 again says, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord, says the Lord Almighty. So God is calling us to not partake of anything that is unclean or anything that's ungodly. If you remember back in Numbers uh, chapter 33, where God was talking to Israel and telling them what to do when they took the land of Canaan, 
And he told them to destroy all the Canaanites and to destroy their idols and their statues and, and anything that was ungodly because God knew that if they did not do that, that those ungodly and unholy ways of the Canaanites could then end up influencing Israel, which are his chosen, which were his chosen people. So for us, we have to make sure that we are not partaking of anything unholy or that we're not engaging in anything that would be that, that, that would be an ungodly. All right. The word of God talks about um, uh, abstaining from the appearance of all forms of evil. And so that means that the, the way we live our lives and, and, the, and the, our behaviors and the things that we say and how we treat people, that should be a model for the unbeliever to be able to turn their life towards towards Christ. We need to know that as children of God, we are holy because God says, be holy for I am holy. And therefore, we need to conduct ourselves in such a holy manner. When we do this, then we can show believers what it means to be a Christian so that they, they then hopefully want to become saved as well. If we're children of God and we're just going out there acting any old way, what is that? What message does that send to the unbeliever? OK, what message does that send to the unbeliever? Why would an unbeliever look at a child of God that's acting in, in an ungodly manner and want to turn their life over to Christ? How are we going to be ambassadors for God if we're not going out and actually um, uh, behaving the way God would want us to behave? To follow the examples that Jesus has set for us uh, throughout the Gospels there about how he lived his life and the people that he interacted with and how he interacted with them. All right. Now, we can't separate ourselves from the unbeliever. Okay. We can't separate ourselves, unbeliever, and God wouldn't want us to. God, however, would want us to make sure that everything that we do and everything we say points them to the word of God, that points them to Jesus Christ, that points them to God. Oftentimes we have to think that as children of God, I should say we have to remember that as children of God, all right, we could potentially be in, put in the life of somebody so that we can introduce them to Jesus Christ. You know, as I think of myself as an ambassador for Christ, I, 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 I always, I'm always on the lookout and just trying to think, all right, Lord, how, how do you want me to minister to this person if you want, if you want me to? Okay. How do you want me to engage in this person so that I can introduce them to your son, Jesus Christ, and pray with them so that they can then become saved? Because as the word of God says, it's not God's will for anybody to perish. So as children of God, we need to make sure that we are separating ourselves in terms of our behaviors and our actions from unbelievers. We have to be careful about who we are engaging with and who's in our inner, in our inner circles. Our actions, as I said earlier, should point people back to God. And then when God, and then when we do that, okay, when we behave as children of God, God then says he will consider us in essence as his children of daughter, children and daughters and treat us as such. So if we're children of God, then we have to understand that God is going to bless us and do things for us that he's not going to do for the unbeliever. Now, it doesn't mean that as children of God, somehow that God loves us more than the unbeliever. No, he doesn't. He loves, he loves us all the same. But it's that relationship that we have with him that then allow, or I shouldn't say allow, but that, that, that puts him in a position to where he wants to do things for us because we want to have a relationship with him the same way that he desires to have a deep relationship with us. Think about any family member or friend that you might have, right? And, and, and let's say you, you, you haven't spoken to them in, in, in 10 years. And all of a sudden they come up to you and say, I need to borrow, you know, a large lump of money because, uh, um, a, lo a large sum of cash because I've got this situation that I'm in. I need to get out of it. Can you, can you help me? How many of us are willing to actually 
help that individual in the manner that they are asking for if we don't have that relationship with them. Does that mean that we don't love them? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that we do love them, but that relationship is 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 not there, and so we be, we become hesitant and say, mm, "Yeah, I don't I, I don't know about that." You know, I, I'm going to pray about that, which we should pray about that anyway. But that doesn't mean that just because we love them that we automatically do the things that we're going that they're going to ask us to do. Right? That relationship is going to play is going to play a major factor in this. One of the biggest differences between us as believers and those that aren't believers, so us as children of God and those that aren't children of God, is understanding that we as children of God, we are not sinners. We are not sinners. And there are many, many, many Christians out there that will refer to themselves as sinners. But the question you have to ask yourself is, who am I? So if I call myself a sinner, but I'm a child of God, what am I actually saying about who I am and, and what activities I engage in? Well, let's see what the Bible says about that. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John 3. So this is little John there, right before, uh, as, as many call it there. Uh, little John, 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to go to verse number 4. Okay, Remember, we're talking about who am I, right? So as a child of God, who am I? And how do I refer to myself? If I refer to myself as a sinner, what does that actually mean? All right, so 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So in other words there, sin is lawlessness. So as children of God, OK, we should not be promoting any kind of activity, any kind of behavior, uh, any kind of uh, 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 political agendas that are going to be promoting lawlessness because lawlessness is sin and sin is lawlessness. We shouldn't be condoning acts of violence against uh, uh, um, uh, against businesses, destruction of businesses or, or, or stealing items from, from businesses simply because we, we might be unhappy with or with the result of a, of a particular event. Now, I'm not making a political statement here or anything like that or, or talking anything about uh, uh, any kind of current events or, or, or decisions that were made by anybody in, in, in authority. I'm not making any decisions on, on talking about that at all. But the fact of the matter is, is that all of us as children of God at times see things happen that we don't agree with. We should not be supporting the illegal activity that goes along with that because that is lawlessness and that is sin. We should not be promoting murdering someone regardless of their age. I don't care if they're over 100 years old or if they're an infant in their mother's womb. We as children of God, if we support those kind of decisions and we support those kind of behaviors and we make excuses for people that, that, that engage in that activity, then what we are doing is we're promoting lawlessness and we're supporting sin. And as children of God, we cannot do that because right there in verse four, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. And we can't make excuses. Okay. As children of God. We can't make excuses for people that do things out of law, okay? Um, God is very clear about the need to have law, law and order, okay? God is very clear on that, all right? So anything that somebody does that goes outside of that, we can't be making excuses for them. And there's times when I have heard Christians say, 
about a homeless person on the street that goes into a store and they steal blankets and sweaters and, and all of this clothing to keep them warm during the winter months where they'll sit there and they'll say, well, you know, they don't have a job. So how else are they supposed to survive on the street? Almost justifying the behavior that that homeless person is engaging in. We don't justify that. What we do is we say, well, let's take a step back and let me find out if there's something that God wants me to say to that person to minister to them because God wouldn't want them living on the street and God definitely wouldn't want them running into a store taking something that doesn't belong to them regardless of what the situation is. So maybe instead of making the excuse for them, what we should do is take a step back and say, who am I as a child of God and what should I be doing when I see situations like this happening? And allow Holy Spirit to guide us on what to say, what to do, how to pray for the individual, etc., etc. Not to make excuses for them. Verse 5, and you know that he, being Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins and in him it, there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Underline all of verse six. If you don't have that underlined already, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor uh, nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, this is not saying, all right, that as children of God, we are not, we don't commit sin, okay? That does not say that at all. What this is saying is that our desire to live a sinful life is removed when we've asked Jesus Christ to come into our lives and we've accepted him as our personal Lord and Savior. It doesn't mean that the devil can't tempt us to sin, and it doesn't mean that we may not fall into that trap at some point. But what it means is that I don't wake up every single day knowing and knowingly, knowingly over and over again engaged in sinful activities. And I've heard so many Christians just say, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Well, what does the word of God say there? If you're going to confess that you're a sinner, look what it says in verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So if I'm going to refer to myself as a sinner, but I'm a child of God, in essence, what I'm saying is I'm saying I'm of the devil. Not my words. It says right there in, in the Bible, right there in verse 8. So it's not that, again, that we cannot commit sin. It doesn't mean that 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 that, that somehow when we, when we become saved, that all of a sudden we live this perfect lifestyle. No, that's not the case at all. We make mistakes and we slip and stumble. But the difference between us and the unbeliever is that if we commit a sin, okay, if we commit a sin, Holy Spirit convicts us and then we repent of that sin and Jesus forgives us. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, he being God is faithful and just to forgive. But that desire to sin is not there. For the unbeliever, they don't have Holy Spirit in them convicting them or, or maybe what I should say is, is they don't hear necessarily the, 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 the tug of the Holy Spirit. They don't feel that pull. They may not feel God pulling out to them. So they don't understand what they're doing is sinful and therefore they can continue to live that lifestyle and don't have any qualms about it. Okay, because their eyes haven't been open to the fact that they need to change their lifestyle. And the reason I say this is because we have to not allow people to deceive us into thinking that we are sinners. 
if we believe that we are sinners as children of God, that's exactly where the devil wants us. Because the devil will tell you you're a sinner to keep you from distract, keep you distracted from doing the thing that God wants you to do. And if the devil can guilt you into that, to thinking that you are an actual sinner and that you haven't, that, and that you're, 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 you're not saved, then what ends up happening there is we then start to be depressed because the devil will then start to condemn us over and over and over again every single time we've made a mistake. And he will bring up our past back to us as clear as day. As clear as day. And if he does that to you, what's going to end up happening is your, your self-esteem will start to decrease. You will start to feel sad. You will start to feel hopeless because you'll have this sense that I can't do anything right. Because after all, if you commit a sin, what is that? That's doing something that God, doing something that God does not approve of. That's committing a sin. So if the devil can make you believe that you are a sinner, even though you've been saved, he can keep some chains on you that won't allow you to, to, to come to your fullness in what God has in store for you. Because you won't be able to walk in, in confidence. You won't be able to walk in, in, in Holy Spirit boldness or in, in godly boldness there to know that, you know what? Yeah, I may have sinned in the past, but I've asked God for forgiveness and he has forgiven me. And therefore, since he has done that, he has wiped my slate clean and I'm a, and, I, and I can start all over again. And I'm going to make a promise to God to turn 180 degrees from that. And now I can get focused back on on him. The devil doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to constantly live in, in, in that sinful state or to believe you, to believe that. If we were sinners after we became saved, God would not do the things for us that he said he would do. How many times in scripture does God say, if you keep my commandments, if you keep my statutes, if you do this, then I will bless you. Then I will bring you to the land that I promised you. Then I will do this, 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 and this. So if we were sinners, okay, God wouldn't do those things for us. Now, what some Christians will do is they'll 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 uh, 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 quote what Paul said in Second uh, uh, Timothy, I believe it was, or First Timothy, in, in which he said that, that that he was the biggest sinner of them all. And they'll say, oh well, Paul called himself a sinner. Paul realizes that he was a sinner, but what they don't realize is that what he was referring to was his time when he was persecuting Christians as he was when he was Saul before God called him and asked him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? OK, he was a sinner back then, but he turned his life over to Christ. And he said sub subsequently after that, and I'm paraphrasing that he found grace in the in, in when Jesus Christ came. And when he accepted Jesus Christ, he found grace and was forgiven for his sins. OK, and again, I'm paraphrasing that. All right. So even Paul knew that. So Paul wasn't saying he's a sinner currently. He said his former self was a sinner. And so when we become children of God, we have to understand and remember that our former lives, we were sinners then. But now that we've become children of God, we may slip and stumble and we might commit, we might fall into Satan's trap and commit a sin, but that doesn't mean we are sinners. We're not living in a constant state of sin. As children of God, we are also conquerors. We are also conquerors. Turn in your Bibles to um, Romans chapter 8. Praise the living God. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you don't have that underline, underline all of that, double underline it, highlight it, circle it, stars, whatever it is. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
as children of God, okay, no one can come against us and stop the things that God wants to happen in our lives from happening, okay? No one can. If we are operating in God's divine destiny, that is, we're walking in the purpose God has established for us in our lives, though you might have some people that come against you, you will, you will be victorious over them. They will not be victorious over you. No matter how much they come against you, you will always be victorious if you're walking in alignment with God and what he has in store for your life. You think about any goal that you didn't accomplish in life, okay? And if you're really, 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 really honest with yourself about why you didn't accomplish that goal, what you'll find out is that it wasn't because of someone else. It was because of you. It was that simple. It's because of you. If you had a desire to buy a house, if that was your goal to buy a house, but that goal didn't come to fruition, and you just decided, hey, I'm not going to buy a house anymore. It's not because you couldn't actually get a house. It's because your priority shifted. When you decided to spend money on this or to spend money on that instead of putting it away in your savings account so you can save it for a down payment, it's a simple fact that your priorities changed. Okay, And as children of God, we have to be honest with ourselves and understanding that sometimes when we don't see the thing happen in our lives that, 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 that we feel like God is, is set out for us, we blame other people. We blame our circumstances. Hopefully we're not blaming God and saying, well, it's God's fault that I, that, that didn't happen in my, in my life. But we have to look back and say, maybe it's us. We need to look internally and say, maybe there's something that I didn't do that I was supposed to do. Lord, help me understand what it is that I didn't do so that I can actually come to your fullness, so that I can uh, um, uh, 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 obtain the things that you actually have set out for me. All right? We can't give up or shift our priorities. If God says, this is what I'm going to give to you, then what we have to do is say, all right, in the name of Jesus, I claim it. And every single day we wake up, we do what God wants us to do to be able to get closer to accomplishing that thing in our life. Don't let the devil or anybody distract you. Okay, don't let anybody distract you. Don't let anything distract you. Because the devil will put all sorts of obstacles in your way to keep you from accomplishing the thing that God has set out for you. And if we get distracted by those things, then, then it'll make our journey at times longer than what it actually needs to be. Sometimes we haven't accomplished that goal because God is just simply saying, hey, it's not time for you to accomplish that yet. Okay. It's not time for, for, for you to have that thing just yet because I'm not done preparing you to be able to take that thing that I have for you and use it in the manner that I need you to use it. You might not be spiritually mature for that yet. So God might be saying, no, it's not time yet. Or other times it simply could be that, you know, I'm tired of praying for that thing. And what does the word of God say? Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So we're praying without ceasing. Then that means we won't give up. Okay. So as children of God, we have to remember we are conquerors. And if we're aligned in, in his divine plan for our lives, no one and no thing could keep us from accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. Verse 32 he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not be with him? Or excuse me. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Meaning that as children of God, if I, if I tell you something that's in the Bible and I say, the Bible stance is this, this is God's stance and therefore that's my stance. You can call me every name in the book. You can call me judgmental. You can call me, uh, you can say I'm, I'm hateful. Okay. You can say all those things you like. At the end of the day, 
my judgment is based off of God's judgment, okay? Because the only thing that matters to me is standing up in front of God because we're all going to have to stand in front of God someday. We're all going to have to stand before him. And I don't know about you, but for me, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So if I'm telling you what the word of God says and you don't want to receive it and you want to call me names and all these things and, 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 and things of that nature, which happens to us children of God, when we take a stance on things, people will call us all sorts of names. If you want to go ahead and do that, go right ahead. But the fact of the matter is God is the one that justifies. God is the one that justifies. OK, so no one can make an evil accusation against us, because if we believe the word of God and we understand what the word of God says and we're having faith that what, what we what we see in here, what we read in here is actually true, then it doesn't matter how people might want to judge us because their judgment is not God's judgment. Okay? The same way earlier I was talking before about how Satan wants you to believe that you're a sinner. The reality of it is God looks at you and said, you've accepted me. You've, you've accepted my son into your life. I'm your God and you are my people. You're not a sinner in my eyes. I wouldn't have called you. I wouldn't be using you if you were constantly a sinner. You may have slipped and stumbled, but if you ask my son for forgiveness, I'm going to forgive you and wipe the slate clean. Okay. Verse number 30, uh, 34. Who, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? So Jesus is constantly at the right hand of God. Every single time we make a mistake, Jesus is constantly in front of God saying, yeah, but father, your son did this. But father, your daughter did this. Okay. So the devil might sit there and try to say all these things. Oh, look at it. He's evil. He's this and that. And Jesus is saying, mm, mm -mm. no, he may have did that. But you know what, my father? He's asked for forgiveness. He's been forgiveness. He's, he, he's been forgiven. Okay. Jesus is the one who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35. So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted uh, as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Underline that. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So as children of God, that shows that we are special to him. Okay, we are special to God. We hold a special place in his heart. Again, does God love the unbeliever? Yes, he does. Does that mean he loves us more? No, it doesn't. It just means that as children of God, we're special to him because we have a relationship with him. Okay. We have a relationship that the unbeliever doesn't have. And as I said earlier, we need to make sure that we're modeling our lives and that we're, we're putting on a display for the unbeliever that wants them to get to know Jesus, that wants them to, 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 to understand why we are, why, why we do what we do and why we say what we say. Okay, so hopefully they can come and know that same saving, saving grace and understand that nothing, no matter what it is, is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, as it says there in, in, in verse 39. As children of God, if we're living our lives the way that God wants us to do and we're pulling people towards us, then that means 
that we're constantly learning about God or pulling people towards God, excuse me. That means we're constantly learning about God. And if we're constantly learning about God and we're showing others what it's like to follow God, then that also means that the children of God, we can't forget that we are disciples. Or in other words, we are students of the Bible. Turn in your Bibles to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 14. Praise the living God. Luke chapter 14. And we're going to go to verse number 25. Luke 14, verse 25. Now, great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them. Now, there's a huge crowd of people here. All right. That are following Jesus. So he's got all these people that are following him. And as he's walking and they're following him, he stops and he turns to them. So verse 25. Now, great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, this is not saying, okay, this is not saying that we should be hating OK, this is not saying that we should be hating our mother and our father or that we should be hating our brother and sister. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is that our desire to follow God. OK, and our desire to have a relationship with him should be so, 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 so strong that it might appear as though. We hate others, OK, or in simply to, to put it even simpler than that is that our desire for God is so strong that we will never allow anyone, whether it's mother, father, wife, children, brother, sister, co-worker, friend, aunt, uncle. It doesn't matter who that might be. Our desire to do the things that God wants us to do is so strong that we will never let anyone or anything pull us away from our desire to please him. OK, we won't let anything pull us away from our desire to please him. That is what being a disciple is about, because we we, we, we we study the things of God. We know what God is saying in his word. We know how God how God is going to treat us. We know the things that that that, that are going to be coming to fruition, you know, as we, as the end times kind of continue, continue on. And as Jesus continues to tarry, we know that at the end of our physical lives, that if we're saved, that we're going to be spending eternity in heaven. OK, we know all those things, but we don't know those things unless we're studying the word of God, unless we're studying what, 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 what God is calling us to do. Unless we understand the life that Jesus lived, unless we understand how we can apply that to our lives and even recognize that as long as we're on this earth, we are constantly in a state of learning about God. Now, I do believe that when we get to heaven, that there's going to be more learning that's going to take place. OK, because we're going to be with God, the father. I mean, the, 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 the creator of all things, all powerful, all knowing, omnipresent God, we're going to be with him for all of eternity. So we're going to be learning all sorts of things and have answers to all questions, all sorts of questions that that that, that, that we, we don't have answers to right now. OK, because God hasn't revealed them to us. So we're going to learn it. But as we're on this earth, we need to continue to learn and continue to learn. What does it also mean to be a, as a disciple? Well, turn to Matthew chapter 28. And some last closing scriptures here. Matthew chapter 28. 
And we're going to go to verse number 18. All right. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came to came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Underline. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. And verse number 20, I want you to underline where it says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. All right. Now, at this point in time, this is when Jesus uh, was already was already crucified. He was raised from the dead and he was going out and he, he was manifesting himself. And at this point, he was manifesting himself to his disciples and he told the disciples what to do. OK, he told them to go out into the world to make other disciples. So what does that mean for us as children of God? If we're disciples, if we're students and if we're if we're learning. Well, what that means is that as we learn about the things of God, we should also be teaching others about the things of God. Now, don't go running and thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm not cut out to be a preacher or a pastor or anything like that. Well, first of all, you don't know what God has called you to do. OK, if that's what God calls you to do, then do it. But it doesn't change the fact that there are other ways to teach people about the word of God. If your God is not calling you to be a preacher. Every time we talk to somebody about how good God was to us and we share a testimony, guess what? We're teaching that person about God. We're teaching them how he's interacted and, 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 and delivered us from a certain situation. Every single time you bless your food. Okay. Every time you might be in a restaurant, you just bow your head and you close your eyes before you eat. And somebody sees that, in essence, you're teaching them something about God. They may not know what it is, but what they're going to see is, oh, that person is praying over their food. Okay. And they might start asking some questions, maybe not to you, but internally, they may be asking questions like, why do they do that? Okay. Why do they do that? When we're not fearful of all sorts of crazy events that are happening around us. And, and, and when you hear people talk about, oh, I'm so scared. I don't want to go to the store because I, I, I'm afraid that I'm going to catch COVID. Or I'm afraid that I'm going to get shot and stabbed. Or I'm going to get robbed at gunpoint or something like that. So I'm not going to go to the store because there's too much too much of that happening around the world. Or, or even in my city. I'm not going to go and do that. And when we say, oh, well... I need to go pick up some groceries, so I'm going to go to the store. Now, not being foolish now, all right, you have to use some wisdom. But when we don't show that same level of fear, we're teaching somebody about the things of God. Because they're questioning and they're wondering, how in the world are you not afraid? And when you get asked that question, be honest with them. Don't be ashamed of who you are as a child of God. So as a child of God, we are never, ever, ever, ever ashamed of the gospel. We are never ashamed to say that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We are never ashamed to say, I'm not afraid to go to places because God has got my back and God has got a hedge of protection around me and I'm doing what he's calling me to do. Therefore, I'm protected. So that's why I do not fear. I don't care what happens. I do not fear. All right. As people hear things about the, uh, about God that we tell them, and as we model that behavior, they then, in, in, in essence, start to become students of the word of God. Now, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to pick up the Bible and start reading and all of those things, but they're going to be looking at you and they're going to be wondering and asking some questions internally about, 
huh, what's going on? What, what's going on there? That's interesting. Why are they doing that? And we all probably, and you probably heard me say this a million times, but we all can probably think of at least one person that didn't know that we were a Christian. Okay. We never said anything to them about praying, never said anything, anything to them about God, never mentioned going to church, never mentioned the Bible. But at some point they just looked and said, something is different about you. I don't know what it is. Or they start telling you things and you're with one of yourself. Like, why are you telling me that? You know, that's really personal. You, you don't really know me. Why are you telling me like that? It's because they can sense something in your spirit. They can sense something in your spirit. And, and they may not, they may not know it, but the reason why they're gravitating towards you is because Holy Spirit is pulling on them. Holy Spirit is tugging on them and saying, Hey, here's somebody I'm putting in your path that you need to talk to. And as we talk to them, we're teaching them about the we're teaching them about the things of God. The thing we have to be careful of, though, as we're teaching people about God, is that we're not trying to convince them to believe what we believe, but we're just sharing the information with them. There are so many of us that are so passionate about God and so on fire for God that we just want to shout it from the rooftops about how good God is and how much we love him and how much we adore him. That sometimes that passion gets in the way of allowing Holy Spirit to do his work. We share things with them and we don't know when to stop or we don't know how to share it with them in a way that they are ready to receive it. And we don't even know if they're ready to receive it. Okay. But we need to just just go at it from the perspective of Holy Spirit. What is it that you would have me say to this person, if anything? And then once he tells you what to say, say it and that's it. No more, no less. Because Holy Spirit knows what's going on in their lives. Holy Spirit knows what they need prayer for. Holy Spirit can then reveal that to you if he so chooses, but he can definitely tell you what it is that you need to say to that person that's going to draw that person closer to him as opposed to pushing him further, pushing that person further away. Okay, So we got to make sure we don't try to convince people to believe what we believe, but we share the information with them and then we pray for them afterwards. We pray for them all afterwards. As children of God, and really, even whether you're a believer or unbeliever, you are who you say you are. Whoever you say that you are, that's who you are, because that's what you believe. And that's how your life, you operate your life. If you're going to say you're a loser, then guess what? You're a loser. If you're going to say that you're weak, then you're weak. If you're going to say that you're depressed, then you're going to be depressed. However, if we can learn to see ourselves the way God sees us, and say that how God sees us is how we see us, we see ourselves. And to say that I am not a loser, I am a winner, I am not defeated, I am victorious, that I am not depressed, but I am at peace, and I am happy, and I am joyful. If we can say all of those things, then we can start to see God how God sees us. And then we can start operating and behaving in such a manner and therefore be able to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish because we will then, we will then be able to come into his complete fullness and reach the promised land that he set aside for us. Praise the living God. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, Jehovah, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Lord God, I just want to thank you for this message today. Lord God, I want to lift up everyone that's hearing this message, Lord, and ask that you would 
help us all to see you the way that you see us, to help us to believe that the way you see us is who we are so that we can operate in, a, in, in, in moving in the direction that you would want us to move based off of how you see us. Give us the confidence when we don't have it, Lord. Give us strength when, we, when we're feeling weak, Lord God. Give us joy when we might be feeling sad, Lord, because that's how you want us to operate. That's how you want us to behave. So help us, Lord God, to see ourselves the way that you see us. I pray, Lord God, for everybody that has heard this message, Lord, and I thank you for continuing to bless us and continuing to keep us safe. And I ask, Lord, that you would just that you would just help us and guide us in all aspects of our lives so that we can come to your fullness, Lord, and to continue to walk in your divine purpose for our lives. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. I'm so glad that again that you were able to join us today. Um, and I hope these words were a blessing to you. And if this message is blessing you, feel free to share it with family, friends, loved ones, even those that might be giving you a hard time because it's not God's will for anyone to perish. So sharing this information with someone that might be giving you a hard time, you never know how it might actually uh, might actually bless them. You can find us at Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is, dot, is one word. Genesis1.sermon.net to be able to find access to all of our podcasts. And if you click on the subscribe button, you'll be able to be notified anytime a new podcast is posted. So you can share that with your with, with your friends, family, and loved ones as well. Well, praise God again. I hope this message was a blessing to you. So go walk in his perfect, uh, his perfect peace, walk in his fullness, and knowing that God thinks very, 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 very highly of you, even if you don't think highly of yourself. And also never, ever, ever forget that you can do, do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Praise God and be blessed. And I sing praises to your